Welcome to A Learner's Journey. My name is Molly Sanders, and the goal of this podcast is to inspire and motivate you by connecting you with a variety of passionate horsewomen and men who have dedicated their lives to helping horses and their people. I'm grateful you're here. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. Today, you're going to get to hear a conversation that I had with a horsewoman named Libby Lyman. I found out about Libby last year when I interviewed Tom Motes. You may have heard that interview. And after the conversation that I had with Tom, I asked him who he would like to hear interviewed, and he gave me a list of names, and Libby was one of them. So I contacted her, and she agreed, and we had a wonderful conversation. Libby has loved and worked with horses her whole life. She's spent a significant amount of time working and learning with both Joe Walter and Harry Whitney, and she incorporates that learning into her teaching today. Her enthusiasm for learning and sharing is contagious. I think you'll find that in this interview ahead. She's also dedicated to setting things up in a way for horses to feel good interacting with her and to use their natural ability to think in their search for an answer. In this conversation, she shares with us the experiences that shaped her into the horsewoman that she is today. We'll also get to hear about an intriguing idea that she learned years ago from Harry Whitney and then took it and practiced it on many, many horses and taught it to many, many people. It's called the free search and its purpose is to help the human really understand how much horses can think and figure things out on their own. And lastly, she shares a way of looking at fear that I had never considered and I think you'll find interesting. I hope you find many nuggets for your own horsemanship in this conversation. Thanks for being here. My first question usually is, uh, how did you get started with horses? Well, I had a mother who loved horses. And apparently when I popped out, my first, um, my first word was horse. My first picture was drawing a horse. And, and I don't remember the first time I was on a horse, but she has told me the story of the first time I got on a horse, which was one that her best friend couldn't, um, couldn't get broke to ride. And so we kind of uh, shared um, a camp site that our families had bought uh, side by side. And so when they were out on the sailboat, my mother took the horse out and plopped me on him. <laughs> the one that, that couldn't was, get broke to I ride? Was free. And of course I was just ecstatic and didn't care. And he, he could feel whatever he could feel. I was just this little harmless thing that wasn't trying to tell him what to do. Wow. So he didn't care at all. Yeah. So I love that story as my first ride, but I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Have you, so you, you've been able to talk to your mom about that story, obviously, because she, she's told it to you. Yes. Um, yes. Have you, have you ever like questioned her? Like, what were you thinking putting me on that? Boat? Always. And then okay. when I learned more about starting horses, I, I said, Ma, what were you thinking? And she said, oh, I knew he'd be fine. Oh, wow. wow. She, didn't, she didn't just plop me up there and leave me. She put her arm around me, you know, and sure. slid me up there and slid me off and slid right. me up there and slid me off until he didn't care. And then, right. And left me up there to hang on for a second. And then, and right. went from oh, there and I wrote him a bunch, apparently. Wow. Like, lead me around on him for a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so, you know, that's, that's really wild. Um, I know. 
Yeah. <laughs> so then, so then what happened from there? What, what are some of your earliest memories? Of- yes. Well, she uh, made friends with a local family that had a bunch of horses and did not have had a, the, the husband and the father knew how to ride, but he was busy being a father and a work, you know, working for a living. And so got together with my dad and said, my dad said, Hey, you know, my wife would really like to do something with horses. And he said, well, if she wants to come out and teach all the kids how to ride, then she, you guys can use all the horses. So we had, I think there were four or five horses that we used and all of us kids learned how to ride. And my mother taught us all and we played games and we rode all over the place. And I mean, it was, it was really fun for, that's great. And it's such, that's such a great blend. The person that owns the horses that wants someone else to, you know, ride them. And so you don't have that commitment right out of the gates. Um, Yeah. That's that's great. great. That's yeah, really we didn't so, get my first horse till we were tw- till I was twelve, and then okay. we brought them, brought them home, and then we had we had uh, horses here for a while. That's great. Over. That's great. Yeah. And by that point, you knew your parents knew you knew that you wanted. Oh you wanted yes, yeah. I, I my mother and I were passionate about dressage, and she she gave me uh, riding logic, Musler's book, and. Mm-hmm. Podaisky's book, The Complete Training of the Horse and Rider. And she used to read them to me as kids, as bedtime stories. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And do you remember, like, was it, did you enjoy that or was oh, it? Oh, we worked so hard on it. We loved it. Oh, I was totally nuts about oh, that's so great. all of it from the very beginning. Yeah. Really. I'm not, I'm not familiar with those books, but I would guess they're not the most entertaining. No, not at all. No. It's really hard. <laughs> Oh, that's really, that's really neat. That's a really neat story. So then how did the professional side of it come in for you? When did you know that you wanted to take it on professionally? Oh, when I was six, probably. I mean, I I can't remember not wanting it to be my profession, but um, that said, I did a lot of other things as well because um, the nature of life is I, I spent enough time in big barns that I knew that burnout was a very big problem for people. By the time I was 18, I knew that was a problem for people. So I did a bunch of other jobs first. And so tell tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit more about that. Like what, what were you seeing that was leading to burnout? And was it like a competitive barn that you were in? What, what was, I was a working student for um, a full year and then summers for, for several years in high school for Mike Poulin. And um, he was, it was her early in his career and he, he and his brother, and they were working like fiends all day, all night. I mean, just all the time and didn't have two pennies to rub together. And, and I thought, you know, this is, I don't see how this, you, I don't see how you can endure this. And I don't see how you can really get where you want to be and That's still really love great. the horses. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. were, you said you were around 18. I was 16. I was 14 when I first started going. Okay. And I was eight. I was uh, between high school and college. I spent a year being a working student. That's really insightful because I think that a lot of young people mm-hmm. see examples like that and think that's the way that you do it. And well, it is one way. Yeah, it is one way, right? <laughs> but instead of looking at it like you did, where you're like, hmm, that isn't really the way I want to do it. That doesn't look sustainable. It doesn't look healthy. That's pretty insightful. Yeah. And I love horses. 
I, I mean, from the time I was little, it's not just, I love riding horses. I love horses. Right. And I, I could not see how you could keep that feeling and turn over as many horses as you need to turn over. Right. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 when they come to me, they're, they're here for life. And while you can't, that's not sustainable as a professional. No. So (laughs) that's a large barn. That that was not going to, and no money, right? Right. (laughs) Like, how are we all going to eat? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about like what, so you, you knew that you didn't want to follow the, um, is, how do you say the last name? Michael? Poulin. Poulin. I'm not familiar with him. Oh, he's, he's still teaching and, and okay. And, and yeah. dressage and dressage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so, um, how did you, how did you balance it? What did you, well, it was a big mess. Okay. So I, I promised my parents before I went to be a working student that I would go to college. So I got it. I got into Bennington and I applied for deferred enrollment and I majored in sculpture. So, yes. So then I got out of college and I thought, okay, now what do I do? Horses and sculpture, neither one makes very good money. (laughs) So I proceeded to try to have a job of some sort and, you know, a a job that uh, doesn't pay much when you don't have skills that fit business worlds. Mm -hmm. So I did, I sewed bags for a living for a bag shop and I worked and then I went back to school for a secretarial science degree. And I didn't really need that, but it did, it did sort of give me some skills. And I got a job working for a, a um, office equipment company, which oddly enough was one of the um, really important pieces of learning to teach well, because they, for some reason, I'd already been teaching for years. I started teaching when I was 14. You know, I taught, helped my mother with her art classes and I taught riding it here at home and at Poland. They figured out that I, you know, so I was just always teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and I got into that um, equipment company and their secretaries were learning about electronic typewriters. Do you know how scary it is for an older lady who has typed and cut and paste and, and done her job on an old manual typewriter her whole life to suddenly be told she's supposed to type into this thing that she can't really see it. And mm. then it's going to print out. And they, and I had to teach them. I had to go okay. around to businesses and teach them. And I quickly learned <clears throat> that if I told them too much, they just shut down. They couldn't take it and they'd panic. Right. right. And so I had to give them just one little thing that would, that they could see would really help them. And then they'd get excited about that right. and they'd work and, and, and then I'd go back and I'd help them again. And, and mm-hmm. pretty soon they were pretty happy with their machine, right. but, it, but I couldn't just shove it all in their, in their face. So it was a, a interesting twist. You know, that is really interesting. And that. really, that's so neat that, that you learned it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's been something for me that I really struggled with. Um, I used to teach for many years. I, well, I taught elementary school for many years. Oh, and yes, I was yes. a horsemanship instructor for 12 years. And I know that concept of yes. just give a little, but yeah. boy, that's hard for me. Cause I, I want yeah. people to, you know, get their money with money's worth and, right. but it, it does, um, impede 
the feeling of success. Right. Right. Because right. you can't soak all that in. It's got to just be yeah. one thing. Yeah. Or it might be a few things, but it's got to, it can't, you can't overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you find the same with horses or is that a different, different type of teaching? Um, it's a little bit different, but it's not completely different mm-hmm. because it has to do with their temperament. Right. So some horses, I mean, horses will learn as fast as someone can teach them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're much more in the moment. So they stay with what's happening. Right. But they can get overwhelmed and fearful from too much information, just like we can. Right. But they don't hold on to it quite in the same way, unless it's repetitive. Right. right. And then that becomes an expectation. And so they won't open up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, we're going to kind of go off on a tangent yeah. here, but uh, okay. this, yeah, this will be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with horses that you've interact with, cause you've now, I mean, this has been your life's work. This is what you've done your whole life. Um, mm-hmm. with horses that you come into contact with that have been overwhelmed in a learning setting, they've just kind of shut down and learned that people don't really have answers. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you find is important for them to bring them back out? Time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's where your free search question is going to come in. Okay, cool. Yes. Good. So we'll come, we'll come back to this. Yeah. But is there yeah. anything else that you'd want to say? Well, there's a, there's, they are afraid to try. Okay. That, that horses by nature are thinkers and they want, they're, they're genetically programmed to figure stuff out. That's how they survive. Right. Mm-hmm. And we take that away. And when that's been taken away, you got to give it back. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm super excited to get to the free search question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, why don't we do that? And I'll come back to some sure. of the other questions that I've got. Um, yeah. So I found out about you through Tom Motes, who I interviewed a couple months back. Uh-huh. And um, after we were done, we had a really fun conversation. And then uh, we kept talking and I asked him, you know, who, who would you want to hear interviewed? And it was a real, it's a really great question because yeah. I ended up getting a lot of really great uh, people from that. Uh-huh. And he, your name came up. He's like, uh-huh. oh, you got to talk to Libby about this. That's <laughs> so sweet of him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, at that point, I didn't know, I didn't know what free search was. Right. Uh, it sounded intriguing. Um, and then I got to go to a clinic with Harry Whitney uh, yeah. just recently, and he was talking about the free search. And yeah. uh, he didn't do a full one because right. evidently they it takes time. On. Yes. yes. But he did, he did kind of small explorations of it. And I loved what he was sharing. And he also said, Oh, you've got to talk to Libby (laughs) because you evidently dove in. I did. Okay. So deep dive. (laughs) Cool. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and then we'll go further into how it influenced your horsemanship? Sure. Sure. Well, a free search is, uh, the idea is, um, when it was introduced to me from Harry, he, he presented it as being particularly important for people to see. Okay. And he didn't talk so much about the value for the horse because people don't realize how uh, 
in a horse it is to figure things out. It's they will they will search, they will try, they will experiment a lot. And they can be pretty creative and they can be pretty uncreative. Um, but Harry presented it as it was good for people to learn that. People don't give horses enough credit for being able to figure things out. Right, okay. So, so I was all on board with that idea and uh, wanted to, to learn more. So I, I did a you know deep dive in. He did a few, I, was, I, sp- I got to spend a lot of time at Harry's. I was, I went, I drove out for two winters for five weeks and did as many clinics as I could get into. And then I ended up leaving my home, divorced, blah, blah, blah. Went out, got to work for Joe Walter for a year, almost a year. And then I went to Harry's and spent three full years at his place. So while he was there teaching, I was there training horses. And so I got to watch as much as I could possibly watch. And then the rest, the when he was gone, I was just taking care of the property and training horses. And and know. is this at his place in Arizona? Yeah, he's okay. And sold it, but right, yeah, right, yeah. So, okay. so, um, so I began. So I did a lot of searches out there, and then I got to do a lot of searches at a farm that I was working in in, in California too. And then I've incorporated in, into my clinics, but I should just tell you about one. Would yes. That'd be yeah. great. So my my first personal cl- um, uh, free search, <clears throat> I did um, in Arizona with a lady, a horse that came in for training that was a Rocky Mountain horse and had been shown a lot and had been very successful at that. But as a result of that was rather shut down. And so I thought, well, good, I'll get in here and I'll try this out. It'll take, you know, half an hour or so. And it'll be really interesting. Right. So it's hundred degrees outside, blazing sun, Salome, Arizona, and around pen with sand. And I get her, I bring her in and I, and I stand there and she stands in one spot and hyperventilates for probably 20 minutes. And I'm like, pretty soon she's going to do something else. So I, you know, I realized pretty early in that I was too much presence just standing there. So I sat down on the ground and I started drawing circles, you know, building little sandcastles and stuff in the round pen. And she still, I mean, nothing. She, she was focused on me like hypervigilant and then would kind of go internal. And then she'd look at me again and then she'd go internal. And so finally I made enough of a commotion that she she, you know, popped her eyes open and bugged them out and took a canter a quarter of the way around the pen and stopped and turned in and hyperventilated for another 20 minutes. Wow. More. I didn't have a clock. Uh And, and, uh, so I, I spent a lot of time just kind of drawing hieroglyphics in the sand and trying to be as non present, you know, as non as have as little as presence as I could possibly think of. And, the rule of thumb for the search is when you think the horse is no longer trying or thinking or searching, or there's a, a, a very strong pattern shows up that that's when you make a commotion enough so that they try something, they do something. Okay. So I waited, you know, a long time. And then I made a, enough of a commotion and she cantered back to the same spot that she had started in. And we did this for two hours. 
Wow. And, and what, what was the goal of that free search? What were you? For her, well, I, my, it, my image was for her to, to be able to look me up, to come in. Okay. Come to me. Okay. It. Yeah. That was my idea. Okay. So, so uh, Harry was packing for his trip and mm-hmm. he evidently had noticed that I was out there sitting in the round pen <laughs> and he came out and said, are you thirsty? <laughs> brought me a big chug of water. Uh-huh. I, oh, thank you. <laughs> and we chatted for a little bit and, and then he left. And so she, I began to interrupt those two spots because those were the only two things she dared to try. Okay. And so I stopped letting it last very long. So mm-hmm. she could come over to the first stop, first spot, and I'd just make a little flop and she'd run to the second one and back and forth. And, back and, forth. and when she realized that neither one of those were working, she flat panicked and started to run hysterically around the pen. I was wow. like, oh my gosh, she's going to break a leg. I was right. like, what have I done? What have I done? You know, right. but then she didn't. And she stopped in a different place, but she didn't face me. She just stopped in a different place, kind of looking out towards her pasture. And so I left that alone for a long time. Mm-hmm. Because it was something different. It was something different. She tried something different. Right. And then after a while, I kind of started again and she went back to her first spot. So I let that last because at least there'd been some change and I waited and then I interrupted that. And, and this went on for the whole search ended up about four hours. Wow. And she only tried about five things. Which interesting very little mm-hmm. right um but she began to look softer in her try she began to realize that she wasn't in trouble for not knowing right and she i wouldn't leave her very long in each spot but she would go ahead and dare to try one of her five things you know and she just kept trying those five things and finally I was thinking, well, maybe this is good, as good as it's going to get, you know, Mm -hmm. like how long do I stay out here? Right. And she just picked up her head, looked right at me and walked a quarter circle and turned so that her tail was to her pasture and walked into me with her head down, swinging soft, eyes soft, real slow and stopped right in front of me. Wow. I started to ball. I of bet. Course. <laughs> yeah. And I put that halter, her halter on and I just let her out as calmly as I could and put her back out in the pasture. Do you think it had anything to do with you letting go of like when you finally said, maybe this is enough? I can, I can not because I, I didn't have, I had many moments like that throughout okay. the search. So it okay. wouldn't have been that one. Okay. Yeah. No, she finally just realized that I was not a threat. You know, wow. That's how, but the interesting thing about that particular mare is I ended up um, being friends and working out of, out of the farm of the lady that owned that horse. And that horse last uh, lived about five more years and then she died. But she, from that day on, anybody walking the pasture, she would lock eyes on them and walk to them. Interesting. So she yeah. learned that that. She is- was like, this is great. And then yeah. she'd get, you know, attention and whatever. Right. Right. So she, wow. she wasn't afraid of people. She mm-hmm. was afraid of the interaction and the expectations. Yes. Of people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have words really. like that. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's 
take a step back. Um, and for, you know, a lot of folks that will be watching or listening to this, they won't have ever heard of or seen of free search. Um, how would you, how would you define it? Like what, what is a free search? A free search is an opportunity to find out that in the presence of a human, they can try things. That's great. That's great. So the person, the person goes into it with some kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. It can be anything, right? It can mm-hmm. be to come to them like you uh, yep. talked about with this mayor. It could be go to a cone and put your foot yep. on. It could be, That's it right. could be anything, right? Anything. anything. And, and then share a little bit about what happens. Like um, from my background, the person would always direct the horse to the thing. Right. Right. And like you said with Harry, I thought that was so interesting that you said that he shared the free search, not for the horse, but for the people to understand that horses are thinkers, they're problem solvers. And we often get in the way with all of our micromanaging. Exactly. So even that direction is taken out, right? That's exactly right. So lead us through like, so if, if you were going to ask a horse to, well, like, uh, to come to you, what do you, what do you do to ask them? I don't do anything to ask them. I'm not asking them to come to me. I have the thought that that would be what my solution is, Okay. but I'm just asking them. I'm just, I'm, I'm allowing them to try something. So I have to make a commotion, right? Okay. So, so sometimes try something. Right. So sometimes, you know, Harry would give a person a flag, sometimes, you know, a rope sometimes. And usually he plunk, he put them in a chair facing the opposite of whatever it is they want. Oh, wow. So I've seen him um, do them with trailer, you know, for for trailer loading. I've Mm -hmm. seen, um, I got to be in the pen for one, I'd been doing quite a few searches. And so I said to him, uh, I will do this, sir. I'll be the person in the pen if you'll direct it. Because I was curious if my time, my timing was similar to his timing in terms of when to go ahead and, and flop the flag or whatever to say, horse, sure. you got to think, you right. know, like, go think. Right. And, and so that, that was fun. And that was a thoroughbred who didn't like tarps. So we set a tarp up on one end of the round pen. And then, and I was facing the opposite way from the, from that. And I think that was a very short search and um, the, I just popped the flag just a couple of times to get her to try stuff. And she, she had only a few options on her plate before she knew, but she knew, mm-hmm. she knew what we wanted when we walked in there because her owner had been trying to teach her to stand on a tarp. Right. So she was like, Oh, Right. 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 So she had to have have a few mad bits and run around Mm -hmm. and bucket kick. And she had Mm -hmm. a couple of spots in the pen that she would go and stand. And then within 20 minutes, I flopped the flag and she was standing in the spot that she was had made a pattern out of. And she just looked at me and then cantered in this pretty little canter around the pen and jumped into the middle of the tarp, stopped dead, turned her head and looked at me. We all, we just all cracked up. Wow. Just exactly what was going on. That's really, that's really amazing. Um, So talk a little bit about, um, so you're, you're causing some commotion with, it doesn't matter what it could be as little as possible. 
as little as, little as, possible, as possible to motivate them to, to leave whatever it is that they are doing, which is usually standing there doing nothing and taking a nap. Okay. okay. So or, to or start or, on, or something, but right. if you see pattern shaping up, so some horses will run to one spot, spin around and run to another spot, spin around and go back and forth and back and forth. And so the idea is, is if you think you should do something, wait longer. Oh, and then if you, then you begin, because it's, in, it's amazing how many times a horse will go back and forth and back and forth. They have this idea, canter back and forth, spin around, blah, 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 blah. and you're thinking they're never going to come up with something else. I've got to flop the fly. And then they do something else. Oh, that's really good. So if you think you need to do something, don't wait, wait longer, just observe, wait longer. Wait longer. Um, so if they're, if they're, if they're just standing there and they're not really trying something, you're going to do as little as it takes to motivate them to try something. Or you're going to wait longer. Or you're going to wait longer. Okay. Yes. So there's a lot of experimentation here for the human. A lot of waiting. Okay. The, the, the thing that I always encourage people is, is wait longer. I mean, really, really wait longer. Okay. Wait so then beyond what you can stand when you're sitting there, like you're dying to do something. That's definitely the time to wait. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. So this is, this is going to be really interesting. And my goal here isn't necessarily to like set it up where we're teaching this, but no, no, I think, no. I think people, I think people will be intrigued by this. And I think a lot of the people that are watching and listening have done things that are similar to this. Sure. Maybe they've played at Liberty, um, sure. you know, sending a horse to something or, but uh, so I think this will be really good to give some ideas of what somebody could do if they wanted to try this out. Cause I definitely am intrigued and want to explore um, with this. Yeah. So, so you, so you're asking the horse, like, let's say with the tarp, um, or excuse me, I'm even using the word asking and you said, you're not asking. So you're, really you're just, you're just, are you just asking, you're asking them to try something. It's, mm-hmm. so there is an ask there. It's just not go to the tarp. When, when you make a commotion, you say to, you're saying to them, what you're doing isn't the answer. Okay. 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 So it's kind of like that game when we were kids. And I I think there's different names for it, but the hot and cold game. Yes. But the difference is you're not telling them when they're cold and you're not telling them when they're hot. You're just letting them try. Okay. But then how do you end? How do they know that they they answer it? It, I do not know. I, they are smarter than humans. There's no doubt. (laughs) There's something, there's something that we're conveying when they yeah. don't, then they haven't found the answer yet. Cause you, like you said, when yeah. you're adding some commotion, you're saying what you're doing is not the answer. So there is something there, but then, and then when they find it, I mean, obviously we're going to yeah. be excited. Well, they know our excitement oftentimes, depending on the horse is not a good thing. That excitement makes it come is a commotion and makes it a bad thing. Okay. So the, the, uh, the ho- horses are, looking, seeking the, the place of zero pressure. Okay. Okay. All they want is no pressure. They want none right from us. That is the biggest reward we can give them. So when they find it, they get to leave the pen. Okay. 
Okay. So, so one of the things, well, I shouldn't even say this because this is one of the things that should be discovered. But one of the big discoveries is how much pressure we are just by having them in a pen. That can be a little depressing. Interesting. Which is what you discovered with the mayor that you told the story about your first yes. free search, right? Yes. Just being in there. My with presence you. was so big for her. Just standing there and being in around Corral away from her friends. Right. Right. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Uh, so how did this, like you said, you, most people probably didn't dive in like you did with this. Oh, I had a, I had an opportunity. I had a, was working out of a farm with a bunch of horses and then right. I was teaching and people were curious. And so I tried it. It's for, wonderful. And you had access yeah, to Harry. I mean, it was the, the perfect storm of learning. Yeah. yeah. So um, how did it, change because I think I think Harry had said that he talked to you not too long ago and you'd said that you're not actually doing free searches anymore but right. it changed you it did so it how absolutely did, changed me how did it change you um well I one of the things that I love about this horsemanship is the idea that we're setting it up to be the horse's idea okay. yes that's a wonderful thought, but what does that really look like? Yes. So I got to, when I worked for Joe Walter, he's one of my great mentors as well. And he, he is the, I think of all the people that I have seen work personally, he is the most honest to the horse is always searching. The, he is always leaving room for the horse to find stuff in mm -hmm. his presentation. And I watched him do it all the time though, when I work for him and I'm like, I don't know how this happens. I don't under, I, I mean, this, this is, I can see that something major is happening here, but I cannot find it. I can't find it in, in, in my work of trying mm -hmm. to work for him. And so when I, when Harry, and I had already been introduced to researches at that point, but I hadn't, I hadn't started my deep dive. So what the free searches gave me and why I, I went, tried as many horses as I could put my hands on is so that I could start to really understand the difference between a horse that's afraid to try and a horse that will try and try and try and try, but not necessarily where you want them to try. Right versus the horse who's just trying their guts out every second to be ahead of the pressure and ahead of what you're trying to teach them and won't even wait long enough to hear you to 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 know you know so there's like this all horses are are different right so to learn how to honor setting up a search within everything that you're doing so it's not a free search, it's right. a directed search, but a directed search is a demand if you don't understand what a horse will give if you stay out of the way. Oh, wow. That just gave me chills. Um, so, oh boy, could you, how could we, how could we help people? Because that those words are beautiful and I think they're going to resonate with people, but then you go, okay but how do I do that? Right. And I, I realized that you spent yeah. years with that question. How do I do this? Yeah. You're watching Joe. You're I still watching do. You still, I still do. do. I mean, oh I think, 
I think that it is a it is a human condition to not do that. I think it is too. I think we're and very much direct yes. line, you totally. know, shortest path. Yes. Um, and so it's a constant process to try to, to stay uh, open enough to allow that room, but not so open that the horses don't think you have anything to say. Right. Or that happened you- to me too. Okay. <laughs> You know, I did a bunch of told a bunch of free searches and then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and finally realized, oh, this horse just doesn't give a rip. Right. He's not worried. He doesn't mind being in the pen with me. He's just gonna I had several of them lay down, take a nap, <laughs> which was wonderful. It's like, right. wow, look at this. That horse doesn't ever lay down. He's just taking a nap. <laughs> right. Right. But with that that concept that you just shared of if you're That's feeling good. like you should do something, don't do anything. Right. Then you're just sitting there with a napping horse. Yeah, exactly. Which Super was wonderful. Yes. That was wonderful that that happened to me several yes. times because yes. it made me realize, OK, so you they they can feel comfortable in your presence in a pen. Right. Right. And they can be okay to do absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> right. But it, then if you do want to accomplish some things. Got it. You there's got to be a little some. motivation. Yeah. 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 Um, so going back to what you were saying about that, if, if there isn't, and I'm not, I'm not going to say it as okay. eloquent, eloquently as you did, but if there isn't a search in what you're offering, it's a demand. If you're, if you're directing yeah. the horse without room for them to explore, it's a demand. Um, I, I'm thinking in my mind a, a lot of the times what I've done to keep myself in a oh an open allowing frame of mind is mm-hmm. I will ask a question yes. like can you yes. step over here right. and then my brain is more open to looking for right. if they're answering it it's a conversation yes. yes is that are there things that you do to when you teach people to help them stay. Yeah. Okay. And I, well, just like you said, I'll say, could you, would you, you know, ask a question instead of state, you're going to do this because that changes us. The energy is different. Right. Right. And then if you ask the question and the horse does the opposite, what? Well, then you're in the conversation. Uh Good. Good. That's so right. they're trying something, right? Yes. So depending on the horse's knowledge, the horse's understanding, their fear levels, their all of that, you decide, okay, you tried that. You might let that work for a little bit and then block it slightly mm-hmm. so that they think, say, no, oh, you got to think of something else. Right. Or you might say, hey, you know, that's not going to work. Right. Let that go. Right. Right. So then, then that becomes more of a directed search. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, very, very intriguing. Is there anything else that you would want to, to share about that? I know that, I mean, we could probably talk for hours and turn this into a whole, like, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, is there anything else that you think of that, that the, the changes that happen for you in doing the free search? It was um, well worth it to me to do as much as I did because it, with a few horses, I began to see a pattern that of how long they'd wait, how scared they were, what kind of temperament they might have. But then as I kept going, 
I realized that it was a lot more varied than I had perceived. And that horses aren't just okay or not okay. They're okay about this, but not about that. And right. so you might be able to really direct them and help them here and be able to say quite a bit, but over here, you got to open it up. And it might be all within one five minute conversation that a couple of things are, you can be right in there helping them with. And this other thing, you better give them room or they're going to not own it with a confident feel. Oh, that's really good. And then have you, did you, did you take this into your teaching? I know, oh, I know yeah. you did. How uh, yeah. did you not, right? <laughs> yeah. But did you, did you lead, like, did you have uh, workshops or clinics that had this as a component? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you still do that or? Not, not as much not because as much. It, it take, I, I, it takes a lot of time. So my clinics, um, a lot of my favorite clinics are, are modeled after Harry's five day clinics. They only have six participants. Yes. And you're there for five days together, which is a lot of time to get to really dig into stuff. Mm -hmm. But you think about the first horse I did, which took four hours. Most right. searches took around two. Okay. Some were short, rarely. So if you take a day, you have people there paying for five day clinic. Right. And you do a search that may mean that out of six people, one horse gets a whole half a day or more. Right. And if somebody else wants to do one, then only two or three horses get work that day. And so it becomes challenging. So the whole group needs to want the benefit of watching one. And I, and so where I go now, um, well, the searches that I did in the earlier days of my clinic teaching, um, we would come across horses who were really a deep, deep mess. Mm -hmm. And we'd talk about it and the group would decide they'd really be interested in watching. And those horses were worth watching. And those people, that was very emotional times mm -hmm. because those were horses who um, had shut down, who right. had tremendous fear who, and, but not always, like I had one lady who did one later on in the, after I had kind of stopped doing very many free searches and she just had an old steady Eddie who was kind of a good citizen. And she just wanted to, she just felt like he didn't care about her. Yeah. She was really curious. She'd seen a lot of searches. She's ridden with Harry a whole bunch and she'd mm -hmm. done searches with me and she just wanted to see. Yeah. And so we plopped her in a chair in the round pen and it, it was surprisingly stressful for him. I bet. And, but when he finally came over, it changed their relationship. Oh yeah. That's really, that's really great. But I can, I understand what you're saying. How yeah. do you do that in a group environment? Right. Right. So yeah, that's, that's really great. So, um, let's, we're going to switch gears just a little yeah. bit. Uh, sure, you bet. So along the lines of teaching people, which you've mm. done since the age of 14. Yeah. yeah. Since you were born six years old, you're like, I'm going to be a professional. <laughs> um, so I think that we all observe certain obstacles that can get in the way of people's learning, um, or progress. And in your experience, what's, what's something that you've seen that gets in the way and what could you share that could help people with that? Fear. Ah, 
and not just fear of the horse, fear of looking stupid, fear of not knowing, fear of being wrong, fear, you know, it's, it's the same as the horses, really. We're just, we're just living beings who are trying to get along and, and, you know, find relief. Yeah. So yeah. I try to set up a safe environment. I do push people mm -hmm. pretty hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't give people very many free searches, <laughs> but I do that because I feel like people um, really can learn and their confidence comes from success. So yes. I try not to push where it's not going to work, but I will really push people to, to find a feeling that is going to help. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the, the softest teacher, but I think that you, I think if you asked my students, you'd say, say they would say that I'm fair and they feel supported. Yeah, I would, I would guess so. Yeah. Um, so what, what, if someone heard you say that fear and yeah. it gave them, you know, goosebumps, um, what's something that you found that can help? I know that's a huge topic, but well, you have to, you have to unwind um, how to find a place to start that isn't too, too deep into that fear. Yes. And that can be a challenge because sometimes the horse almost can't do it for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, those, those are my biggest challenges when we have a, someone who's at, and it doesn't mean that they, they aren't capable uh, I've had people who are actually quite capable, but their fear stops them from being able to use that. And I, you know, I, I don't, I haven't suffered terribly from fear, but I did raise five Holsteiners and some of them pretty big moving, yeah, strong-minded things. And I've, so I, so I got humbled several yeah. times about, uh, you know, whether or not I was really as brave as I thought I was. And so that helped me, uh, because I'd always been a strong a strong seat and get to ride all the horses that people couldn't ride. So I was right. full of myself for a little while. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then I got a little bit humbled about fear. Right. And it helped that gave me a little bit more compassion. I think I used to push too hard on people with fear. Oh, you have to, you know, you have to, they're just like the horses. You have to find a place to start mm -hmm. that you can start to build on. And if it's too deep into the fear, it's not going to work. So finding a place that doesn't have, maybe isn't completely uh, without fear, or or do you do you do you encourage people to look for something that you can do with your horses that doesn't bring up any fear response? Well, it depends on the person, sure, it on the horse they're with and what their fear is about, right. So that's not, not really an answer to that. And, and I don't have a, I don't have a set thing that I do. I'm sure. always really trying to work right in with the person and the horse and see what that combination could do. Right. That might start a little piece of success for the two of them. Right. But I think that concept, even though I, I appreciate what you're saying that, you know, there isn't a three-step formula yeah. and this yeah. and it'll work for everybody. Right. But right. that concept of, um, I mean, so many of us in the horse world here ride through it, push through it, yeah. you know, all that kind of mentality and hearing, wait a minute, F 
find the edge. Yeah. Right. Find right. where you're not fearful right. and work, build from there. There's another part of fear that is uh, almost as big as being afraid of the horse. And that is fear of being wrong. Yes. For, for people. And so, you know, we navigate how to realize that we're just going to be wrong. Right. <laughs> we can't learn, be learners and not be wrong. Right. And so we, we try to navigate that some uh, quite, quite often too. Yeah. And I think that it's so helpful. Like as I've interviewed, um, you know, quite a few folks now that has come up that idea of making mistakes, being yeah. wrong, that it's just, it's, it's so much a part of it. And once you see that and kind of embrace it, it can change everything. Yeah. I think that that's something that maybe it's just me, but I think it's beyond just me that I think we, we all need to hear that again and again and again, because or the, live it or live it where, or which is where I like to try to help people get to is that that's we great. just live it together. Yes. When none of us are going to be right. You know, I mean, we're going to, truth is we're really right only once in a while right. <laughs> the the time with the horses we're just mucking around somewhere close yeah. enough to get right. things going yeah but we all know those magic moments yes it's what keeps us in the game yeah 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 that's that's great okay so that i think that's super helpful um and then how about for you in your journey? Um, can you think of a time where you um, were you know, either struggling to learn something or maybe struggling to stay in the game or you know, that you could- Like, like every from? day? Like every day, yeah. <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a constant if you're, if you're, if you're a searcher which I am, you know, yeah. I'm searching all the time to be better and know more and understand better. And then I find out that something I studied and studied and studied and learned, I don't agree with anymore. And now I'm trying to learn this over here. And so, that, I mean, that's just a constant process for me, but I do remember, I have one little story that I think you'll enjoy is I, I, when I first was at Harry's uh, for the three years. And it was my first summer. And one of my very dearest friends at the time who I'd met at, at Harry's sent me his horse, his big warm blood horse in training. And so I was like, okay, this is great. You know, and I could not get one thing positive done with that horse. And I'd had him for like three weeks and I was getting nowhere. And I thought here I am taking money from my friend Right. And, and I'm supposedly a trainer and I cannot do squat of value here. And I remember the moment because I was in Harry's round pen and I had set up a little puzzle. I had, I, he had, was a bit of a claustrophobic guy. And so I had put a barrel up so that he could just go between the fence and the barrel, right? No big deal. No, 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 absolutely not. And I'm, you know, trying to be feely and open like searches and I'm failing and I'm trying to drive him through. And that just is the worst. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had a lariat in my hand and I turned around away from him and I threw it on the ground and I started to bawl. I just started crying. I'm like, I'm no good. I can't do anything. I'm stealing my friend's money. <laughs> I had this complete pity fit. And in the middle of my, my stomping feet, pitting, pity fit, this little teeny idea starts wafting in. 
And I, you know, like I sucked in a big breath and whimpered out and I turned around and I looked at him and I just started in with a totally different feeling, went right through. That's hmm. <laughs> like, okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay. You're just in your own way. Right. Because <laughs> I was trying to do something. Right. Instead of try to have a conversation with the horse, I was trying to do something. I was yes. trying to get something done for the person. Yes. Which makes me think about, you know, I think a lot of times we'll have a session with our horse and it's, it is a conversation. And it's one of those moments that we were just referring to that keep us yeah. in the game. Like maybe we did something right, or it just, we understood each other. And then oftentimes I find, I found that the next day, Mm -hmm. is not so good, right? Yes. Because we go in wanting to have that same that's thing. That's right. Right. And I often take the next day off. Ooh, that. that's really good. I, that's really yes. good. So it's kind of like what happened for you with this warm blood was in reverse. Like you that's went right. in with that feeling of wanting to get this thing done yes. and had to kind of have a breakdown of all that stuff <laughs> and <laughs> let it all out. I'll just right. give him his money back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, and then you were able to come at it in a completely different way. And, right. and it right. worked. Um, I became present. Yeah. Okay. I became present at that moment. Okay. Once That's I gave myself permission to give him his money back, and comes an idea. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm in the moment. Now I'm creative again. Now I'm thinking, and I'm not just trying to get something done. So do you find that for people or maybe yourself, like in this situation, it was just kind of this breakdown, which I've had so many of them. And usually it's the night I, I, you know, put my horse up and I get back in the house and I'm just like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've made such a mistake or whatever. <laughs> and then overnight I'll come up with a mm -hmm. new idea because I start to ask the question differently. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm, 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 hum, I'm humbled. I'm coming yeah. from it in a more right. humble place. Um, do you find, like, do you encourage people if you get to that place where nothing's working, just get out of there and like yeah. take a break or go have yeah. a fit? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's just normal. It's just, it's just what happens. Totally. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. That's really good. It's really, really good. I think it's so important for us to, that, that, it's a big reason why I'm doing this podcast is mm -hmm. because throughout my journey, I have always been curious about other people. Like I, I ask questions and how did you get through this? Just like what I'm doing with you. Yeah. And I've found so much richness for my own journey. And I have also found that a, a lot of people don't have the opportunity or they don't take the opportunity to do that, to ask, yeah. to be nosy and yeah. ask the questions. Um, so I feel like that's part of why I'm doing this is so that other people can hear somebody like you that's been doing it your whole life say it's part of the deal. It's it just is. the way it works, you know, and <laughs> I think that's so powerful and so important. So really great. Um, so, um, what's something that you're excited about in your horsemanship these days? What am I not excited about in my horsemanship these days? So yes. I'm always trying to learn. And of course, you know, I, 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 I need several lifetimes. I keep saying, can I have all of the time for the people who are bored? And <laughs> maybe I would have half as much time as I wish I could have. So I know I'm greedy and I know that that's not fair, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, uh, will forever be on this 
journey of trying to learn how to um, have the horse feel like a really willing participant and thinker and to to not make things happen and to really set set it up to be the horse's idea. I will never run out of struggling and trying on that. But I'm also trying to learn a little bit more about biomechanics now and and um, soundness and that I'm having some trouble with my mare who fell three times last winter in the ice. And so that's that sent me on a journey of of that kind of health too. So. Right, right. Well, that's exciting. And um, everything I learn, I end up sharing. So that's great. And your students, I'm sure, I'm sure your students love that about you. Um, and they teach me too, because as you know, we can't know everything. And so I have lots of of students who are really far along in some areas that I'm pretty weak. And I'm always saying, now, what was that you you taught me yesterday? Right. That's great. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so it makes me think back to what you were talking about early on when you were first kind of exploring, well, not when you were first exploring the idea of doing it professionally, but when you were 16 at yep. uh, Michael yes. Poulin yeah. Yeah. Uh, at his barn, thinking about, I don't want to, I don't want to burn out. I want to, you know, and oh, I love it forever. Yeah. And you have been so successful with that. Um, yeah. And yet you're not working at a office anymore. Like, so you're, Oh no, I gave that up at 35. Okay. So I did a bunch of jobs until I okay. was 35 and then I went out on my own. Okay. So now you're doing this pretty much full-time. Yep. Right. My only job. Then, so then my, one of my last questions will be, how have you kept this enthusiasm that is so apparent as you're oh, talking, I can you. feel That's it. Um, how have you kept from burning out? Um, because I, I stay varied in what I'm okay. in, where and how I'm working. And I, um, I have a home that is not a business. It was very important to me. I knew from working in big barns that that was never going to work for me. Um, I need my own downtime, private time, and I need private time with the horses that I'm working on, working with. Um, so I've built that into my lifestyle. I did get to travel for 10 years, um, working at both Joe's and Harry's and then traveling back and forth from San Diego, which I had a wonderful farm. I was working out of there. And, um, I was, I was lucky enough to live an hour from Franny Burridge and Piper Ridge farm. Oh, and okay. so they, she brought all the really incredible people, Ray Hunt, um, oh. Randman, Joe Walter, Brian Newbert, Harry Whitney, um, to her place. That's okay. how I got introduced to all of this stuff. And, um, so I got to work out of her farm for five. Well, I still do, but mm -hmm. for five summers, I was living there and five, and then being in San Diego. So I was traveling back and forth. And then, um, my parents passed away. And so I got a house. And so now I'm, now I have a place to call my own and then mm -hmm. I travel and do, do clinics and I, and I'm doing virtual work now. I, oh, I work neat. with people all over the country. Um, put AirPods on and set up a camera and away Isn't we go amazing? live. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, and, that's really neat. And so I fly for clinics and I'm still doing a local network of people in the summer in this area. And then I'm, you know, gradually. So it's just, I, I just piece it together. 
Yeah, that's great. So you kept it, like you said, you've kept it varied, which for you is important. Mm -hmm. You've got a variety of things going on. And then I love what you said too, about that you've set this really clear boundary for yourself that home is for me recharging. It's not for working with my horse. Yes. And for you to be doing your horses, being with your horses. That's so great. Um, so that's, that's wonderful. Very, very clear, uh, description of how you've kept from burning out. Um, And I keep learning and you keep, I am always on a quest. That's wonderful. Always learning. Love it. I love it. Um, well, this has been super fun and inspiring, uh, to talk to you. Um, how can people learn about you that don't know, you know, don't know about you and might want to learn with you? How can they do that? Well, I have a website, Libby at LibbyLyman.com and you can email me. Wonderful. Call me, whatever. Okay. Okay, great. I'll make sure that your contact information, any contact information you want to share is in the uh, show notes. So wonderful. Um, Thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been great. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast that Libby's enthusiasm for learning is contagious. I think you probably can see what I mean. And I hope some or lots of that enthusiasm has rubbed off on you. One of the things I love about getting to do these interviews is that although our experiences are all different, we all have this common element as learners, no matter how much experience we have. And there are things that learners go through. There are struggles, there are hardships, there are uh, elations and figuring things out and things that keep us going. And being able to hear from somebody like Libby, who's been doing it for as long as she has, and the things that she's struggled with and how she's gotten through it, um, and the things that she's learned along the way, it's just, it's really inspiring to me. And I feel lucky to be able to share it with you. So keep going, keep learning, keep making mistakes, keep showing up, keep being inspired. And, uh, Thank you for being here, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.